Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I was kind of a minority within a minority. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation, because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous, so I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of science journalism. Hello. 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 Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for coming on this show. I cannot wait to talk to you because the last time I heard you speak, you were, you know, on a stage and kind of untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way you talked about science was just so engaging and uh just I mean even with a non-science background I would have been transfixed by what you had to say oh I really appreciate that thank you (laughs) oh I love the fact that you are so passionate about a whole range of sciences you're not kind of um specific to one but you started off studying maths didn't you yeah no I mean I've been always been excited by all different areas of science there's never I mean although actually saying that biology was always the one that I sort of avoided um mainly because my mum had done biology at university and then she never did anything with it she did zoology she never did anything with it um and she you know she then did a lot of writing and a lot of other bits and bobs with her work and um I I don't know if it was just sort of rebellion against what your mum does, but um, I was always yeah. kind of teasing her and saying, oh, biology's boring, it's the easy science, da 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 da, da. whereas I was far more interested in uh, maths, physics and chemistry, but predominantly maths. And um, But yeah, I mean, when I went to study it, I think I had this real urge to try and get to the the center of things you know I really wanted to understand mm-hmm. how everything worked in a really perfect way and really if you sort of you know there's that famous XKCD comic where you have the sort of um they put all the different sciences on a on a time or not a timeline like a, a I guess a a line from apply to pure and right at the very end you've got the pure mathematicians being like hey guys we're over here and um that kind of just resonated with me I always wanted to kind of try and understand things at the very very root and then I knew that if I could understand that I would be able to build my knowledge back up on top of all the other sciences so um yeah Mm. I went and studied pure maths (laughs) right I mean I really resonate with that because I think the reason why I went into science was because I just wanted to get to the truth. Mm. Yes, exactly. That's exactly um, it. Yeah. And um, how are you kind of, how has that gone for you? Because living in the world we live in, there's a lot of untruth. Mm. Well, I mean, I think the fact that I'm now a journalist probably um, 
you know, I, I hate when people kind of, um, you know, careers are wiggly and they go up and down and it's sort of snakes and ladders. And I, you know, if you told me three years ago that I was going to be a writer and a journalist, I would have, I would have laughed at you. I would have thought that was absolutely crazy. Really? Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't aspire to be a writer. I didn't aspire to be a journalist. Um, I, and it's not that I don't like what I'm doing. I absolutely love what I'm doing, but I think I never really thought I would be capable of doing it. Maybe I kind of held journalists up on this sort of pedestal um, beforehand. Um, so, you know, I, but saying that, um, you because know, what I'm saying is I don't think we can kind of tie back our decisions to our lives all back to one central point. Um, I think that right. there's a lot of chance. However, really if you do sort change. of, yes, exactly. But if you map all the different things I've done, there is an element of, always either being in a job and being really really frustrated by the kind of lack of being up front not lying but like the lack of people just saying what's on their mind and being allowed to say what's on their mind speaking up you know being told oh just do your time and stay in your place and your junior and all this and, be, and being so unbelievably frustrated by that and I guess now mm-hmm. doing the work I do I mean I've just written a book that's all about, you know, how do we tell, how do we actually get to the root of what's really going on? And I think I'm really, really obsessed with trying to understand entire systems. But in order to do that, you kind of have to understand the little cogs and um, sort of home truths at the center of it in order to kind of then expand out everything else. So, you know, if you were to sort of tie a thread through my career, it makes complete sense that I would study pure maths and then build everything on top of that. I mean, nowadays, I feel like I've sort of you know there's always new stuff to learn in science and I'm absolutely not an expert in every single part of it but nowadays I'm actually focusing a lot of my kind of um what's the word research and kind of learning on the worlds of history and philosophy and economics because I feel like I'm now at the point of going okay let's start layering on all of that stuff now I've quote unquote done <laughs> the maths, the physics, the chemistry, and, and I've also now done the biology, I suppose, um, with a lot of my work. So I'm now trying to layer on, you know, what what does law look like and um, what's the sort of central economic theories and, and even literature. Because um, I guess I'm, I don't know, I'm just really obsessed with trying to have some level of understanding of essentially just how the world works. And it started with pure maths and I'm now, you know, (laughs) reading tons of fiction. So (laughs) I suppose it's all all the same. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's quite amazing that we're having this conversation and that you are the guest for this week, because I'm actually going through exactly that where I'm trying to grapple with the fact that I am so in awe of what science can tell us. Mm. Um, uh, it's, it's beautiful. Mm. It's beautiful that we are able to kind of unravel the formulas of the universe. Mm. Um, at the same time, I do get very disheartened by how that can be manipulated. So for example, with climate change, um, I remember doing a story where I was actually, um, sort of collecting data with NASA scientists about how an ice sheet over Greenland was shrinking year on year. And I was just in absolute awe of the instruments and the data Mm. and the way we were collecting that information. And I remember having a conversation with the scientists saying, um, you know, what is your view on on climate change? And they were like, oh, we're not going to say because you know, our job is to collect the data, how it's interpreted is up to the politicians, the Mm. people, all of that. We just want to collect the hard facts. And um, I was like, just thinking, 
I'm so in that camp of just wanting to collect the hard facts. Mm. But I find today everyone has to have an opinion. Like you have to be either, you know, arguing on one side or the other. And I don't want to take that position. Mm. I don't want to have to choose a side. Yeah. Like, how do you deal with that in journalism? Um, I mean, I guess I, I, I don't necessarily think it's about sides, but I'm, I'm quite values driven. Um, and I'm, I kind of have no interest in writing about stuff that don't fit into my values or if things that are kind of making news or being talked about that I think don't make sense, then I'll write a piece about why they don't make sense. I mean, I'm quite, I, I think I'm in, I'm in a fortunate position that first of all, I'm freelance, so I don't have to, I'm not a staff journalist, so I don't, I'm not dictated by editors on what I cover. Um, And I'm also not a news journalist. So I don't just kind of, not just news journalists have an extremely hard job. Like I'm not a news journalist because I think it's too hard, (laughs) but I don't, I don't just cover what's happening and, you know, say this happened and then let the audience make up, you know, I'm a features journalist. I I write opinion um, and the book is, and you know, it's, it's from my perspective. So um, I'm in a position where actually I can, marry my sort of skills and research and journalism as well as um, an expertise that I've built up over the many different jobs I've had and the kind of um, what I did at university and just you know my life I suppose that I can have an opinion and I have a voice and that's one of the things that makes me so excited about my work and I'm so grateful that I get to do that every single day because I'm in a fortunate position that because I didn't start my career in journalism I'm coming at my writing from a position of you know the quote-unquote expert you know you're the person that understands science and because I spent a lot of time in industry as well I really understand how the companies work how funding works how the politics around it works and so when editors commission me to do something or when I'm asked to come and do a talk they want me to give my opinion they don't want me to just cover something and explain it they want me to say okay Gemma what is quantum computing and what's complex about it or what's exciting about it or what are the questions that you have I mean not everybody understands that sometimes people do just want an explanation but most of the time what I'm and and I don't just give an explanation if I'm asked for it I will say you know this is what quantum computing is here are some of the controversies I think some of the funding is is way out of whack I think that some of the companies um are marketing themselves in a way that's completely unethical um but then I also think that there's some really amazing stuff happening here and here and here and I you know, for me, I can't write any other way. I, I find it boring and I don't, it's, it's not what I want to do if I'm only getting to just cover something. I want to be able to layer the context around science. And that's that's something that I feel insanely strong about. And I think, you know, we were talking before about science communication and kind of the, the different ways of doing it. I feel really, really strongly that the best way to do science communication, not the only way, but the best way and the way we need more of is a critical look at science. And that doesn't mean saying science is bad or wrong or whatever. That's not what I mean by critical. By critical, I mean not just explaining the Doppler effect and then leaving it at that. It's about saying this is how it's used. This is how it might be problematic. This is where the politics comes in. There's a reason this person is saying this and there's a reason this paying is person is saying that what are the incentive structures you know and um i think that kind of not putting science into that broader context frankly doesn't do it justice and you can make science far more interesting when you talk about the context around it because if you just explain something folk that aren't really that interested in the nitty-gritty nuts and bolts like we are of the tools and the data and whatnot you're just going to lose them because they're going to be like all right cool and it's also not about pandering to 
I now know what a neutron is. Thank you very much. Like, how does that affect me? What's the point of knowing that? Exactly. But then at the same time, it's also not about pandering to this idea of how does it affect me? Because I think sometimes we go too far in making leaps, being like, and this is how it affects you in your everyday life. You know, yeah, a discovery of a new form of, I don't know, quark, it probably isn't going to affect most people in their everyday life, you know, not immediately anyway. And if it does, it's probably going to be years and years in the future. And it's going to be some scientist having some kind of moment of going, oh, hang on a minute, you know. So that sort of stuff you can't predict. But the, the point I'm trying to make is I think the system itself is interesting. The way we do science, the way science mixes in with politics, the way, I don't know, we read about science, the the words we use, like all of that stuff is 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 another layer of what makes science interesting. And it's not about just explaining or going, and here how here's how it's going to change your health or whatever. There's more in the middle. And I think it's it's fundamentally, um, what's the word? You're not respecting the audience if you only do one, you know, one of these two extremes. Giving that context, giving the long read, giving the system, that is interesting. People find it interesting. And I think when people in science journalism or science communication say, oh, people won't be interested in this, I'm like, that's you're essentially saying that people are stupid and it's unbelievably disrespectful mm. and frankly lazy so i don't know i just think it's i'm i'm i suppose i'm lucky that i find it really fun trying to get to the root of systems i love writing long reads i mean as i say i wrote this book and i'm now working on my next one and i and i loved the opportunity to go really deep in the weeds and try and get to the root of things i know not everyone loves that um but for me i'm just you know, grateful that I get to do something that I both think is the right thing to do, but also I I enjoy it, you know? Hmm. I mean, the question that's screaming out at me is where did you find the confidence Hmm. to voice your opinion? Because particularly as a woman in STEM, you know, you you were probably a minority Hmm. in math. Um, Where did you find the confidence to say my opinion is valid? Um, I've kind of, I've always been that kid in class that put their hand up all the time. I was annoying at school, probably in that respect. I always ask questions. I've never worried about looking stupid and mainly because I know that I'm not stupid. I know that, you know, um, you know, I, I, I was at school, I was the smart kid. You know, I was, I was top of the classes or, or one of the top in the classes in all of the subjects, not just science. And I was very, very encouraged in terms of my you know, ability to do well at school by teachers, by my parents, by everyone. Um, but I was also really badly bullied at school. And because I was a tomboy, I played football. And because I, I frankly was really, really bad at knowing when gossip was happening. <laughs> so like when all the girls were kind of hanging out at, at break or whatever, I'd be off playing football with the boys. And then when I went to high school, you know, that wasn't a thing. You didn't play football at break. So I was like, oh, like, what do, do I just talk to girls? Like, that's kind of, I don't really like, I don't get it. And so, um, yeah, it, I don't know. I kind of, I struggled a lot with the sort of social stuff when I first went to high school. Um, and I'd been mm-hmm. bullied in primary school as well for being a tomboy. So I was kind of used to being the person that folk didn't really get, shall we say. Um, and there's not even a friend, but I had a bit of an oddball. Well, I don't think I was an oddball. I think I just was the only person that wasn't willing to conform and not because I was like this kind of, I don't want to conform. You know, I was too young to understand that. I just didn't really understand how, you know, like I didn't, I didn't know what the cool trainers were to wear or I didn't really know what it meant to, to gossip or to, you know, have these cliques. Like I just didn't get it. And so, you know, for me, it was like, 
I just I did just say my mind so if someone was mean to someone I would be like why are you being mean or if someone was mean to me I would tell them why are you being mean and you know I would come home crying from school and I had a, a times really horrific time but because of my my intelligence I guess was my thing and my parents you know my mum got bullied in school my dad also got bullied in school so they were very like you know this is shit and you we know that this is awful but you you mustn't change do not conform do not try and be like them because it will you will be happy about it later in life I'm telling you and obviously I don't think oh it was good that I was bullied but at the same time I genuinely would not be who I was if I'd not had to basically be that outsider for such a long time um and I don't know because like because my sort of doing well in school was the thing I could kind of hold on to you know it was the thing that I was good at and even if I got bullied for being intelligent I didn't care I was like well I'm clever and you're not so I don't it just doesn't bother me um so I don't know I guess having that from a very young age all the way through high school um I guess I just kind of got used to it and then when I went to uni I actually wasn't you know I went to St Andrews which is like a really good university and I wasn't the most intelligent anymore and that was a real shock to the system I didn't really know what to do about that um and so I kind of, I lost my way a little bit in science at that point, but then I ended up in other industries where I also felt, you know, this doesn't work or this is a stupid idea or why are we doing that? That makes no sense. And I would say it and people wouldn't like it. Um, but, you know, I was like, but it doesn't make sense. And I don't understand why I have to keep my mouth shut. I mean, I understood sort of corporate bureaucracy and all that sort of thing, but at the same time, I just didn't like it. I thought it was stupid. So I don't know. I think I've always just got this very kind of, it's not it's not a practical thing it's kind of just a it's a very like this just makes no sense and I don't understand why people do it so I say that and then I think luckily you know I have a I suppose because this is a science I'm not going to reveal my accent because you're going to um, cover it over but I, I have a quite regional accent and my regional accent is associated with being quite feisty and quite angry and quite um, opinionated but also um in London, people don't understand the class that I come from based on my accent. They just know that I'm from a particular country. And so it meant that nobody, I didn't really get much discrimination. I come from a working class background. I don't get discrimination based on my class because people don't know my class, but they do assume that I'm going to be opinionated and they don't brand me as an angry woman. They brand me as an angry insert accent here. And so as much as that can sometimes be a little bit like demeaning in terms of who I am as an individual, it's very, very helpful when you're in a room of men because they don't look at me and go, oh, mm -hmm. that's, you know, that person. She's, She's a pushover. Exactly. And but they also don't brand me as like an angry female, like, a, you know, some some women get, you right. know, if you're bossy or whatever, like I don't get. Or if that. you're just standing up for yourself, yes, it can exactly. Be seen as well, not just that. Like I think people just assume that this is just how I talk. <laughs> but I'm like, it's actually not really how I talk. It's only when I think things are stupid that I'll say it. But you know, I'm actually, I think I'm actually relatively. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're getting away. You're getting away with standing up for yourself. Yeah, that's what I mean. Your accent. That, that's that's my, that's so my point. I am precisely. For that. Yeah, I, I'm so lucky in that respect, and I think because you know what, when I stand up for myself, I'm seen as crazy. Yeah. stubborn yes exactly um you know difficult exactly problem child exactly all those things because I don't you know I generally have you know London kind of accent mm. um you know I guess people could say that you know she's educated and all of that so the minute I yeah. stand up for myself I'm seen as uncouth exactly. and unladylike and all of that 
my exactly. gosh. I... And because I've always been, you know, I've been a this outsider. I've been the person that's not really known probably when to shut up and be like this doesn't make any sense um and people kind of assuming that I'm gonna do that anyway and then when I do it in a work context you know people are like ah it's just because she's from this country she's just like that but actually she has a point and I think it means people take me a little bit more seriously but I don't think it's just my accent I think it's also because I do speak my mind a lot and I'm not I don't I'm not controversial I'm not the sort of person that'll I'm not mean to people I don't call people out in that respect but you know I remember a job I had that wasn't in the sciences it was in a different industry that I did after university um and we got asked by the client to do this particular piece of work and they knew that I had a maths background so they basically gave it to me and I was I said to them I was like this is not a job that this client should be giving us because we're massively undercharging. I was like, if they asked a consultant to do this, it would be about 10 times the price. And I knew that because I used to work in investment banking and I did the exact that, you know, it was data analysis they want me to do. And I was like, I was on over double the pay at that company for doing this exact job. So I'm not doing it for you guys for no money. And you should not be chart. You should not be saying to the client, yeah, no bother. We'll do this really complex data analysis with our junior account person who shouldn't know how to do data analysis but she just happens to have a maths background for no money and so I said this to them just exactly like that I was like eight months into my job and the the senior guy was like I don't understand what what you're talking about and I was like consultants charge insane amounts for this why are we doing that that makes no business sense and I said and for me personally I'm not getting paid enough to do that job I left banking to come to this job for less you know I got less than half the money in my salary so I'm not doing the same work as I did there absolutely not and you know they pushed back on the client I didn't have to do it but no no other person at my on my level at my like sort of I was so junior would have said that but also they wouldn't have known to say it because they didn't have that background I had but I was just I just thought it was so ludicrous that I was getting asked this I wasn't angry I was just so shocked I was like this is like you were trying to Yes, because I have such a real, I mean, it runs in my family. And I think also the sort of communities that I come from, fairness and justness is like really, really central to our kind of being. Like I get really, really upset when things are unfair Um, and not just me and my own life, but like in general, like watching politics, sometimes I can just, I find it so hard because like when I see something that's just unfair, on the surface of unfair, it really, really bothers me. And so obviously- Right. Yeah, it really does. And so if there's things happening to me that I feel are unfair, I I will say something because I just can't, I can't, I'm not very good at stomaching it if it's not. Mm. Um, So yeah, I think that's also part of it. Are you getting away with speaking your mind purely because of your accent? Or do you think there are other things no, about no, your inner not. personality that allows you to express um, yourself that way? Um, I mean, I, people are just people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've never really been that sort of, like, I don't really shy away from seniority. Like, I don't, you know, see someone who's super senior and be like, oh, I better say this and I better say that. Like, I don't know where I got that from, but I'm just very aware that every person is just a person. And if you're talking to a CEO who's age 50 or 60, you know, I'm always like, oh, that's someone's dad or someone's granddad. Like, it's just a person. In in listening to you you speak, I must say that, I can totally see why you're freelance and I really relate to you because I've spent most of my life being freelance. But I must say that to be able to function in a corporate 
scenario mm-hmm. requires different skills, right? I mean, I I could not do it. I could. I mean, I did it. I was in I was in corporate for in total about three and a half mm-hmm. years, and I you know my last two years of it, I was in a role where essentially I was you know doing my own thing anyway. And so the first, you know, two years of it or a year and a half, whatever it was, I, I found so, so difficult. Yeah. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I, <laughs> I felt hard done by all the time. And I was just frustrated and like, you know, and I was also, I was a bit petulant at times where I was sort of being like, you know, I've got more to offer than this. Yeah. I've got more potential and they don't understand me and they're not listening to me and da, 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 da. So, but, but I think the core thing that I have was you know first of all I'm, I moved out of those positions as soon as I possibly can to get into a position still within corporate that worked for me and then I got made redundant in 2016 and that was a bit of a shock to the system because I'd always been this sort of high achiever and I was like wait what because my my whole department got shut down so it wasn't anything sort of individual mm. um but after that because you know I would never have thought of freelancing mm. but because I the sort of thing people seem to worry about freelancing is they think it's really unstable and so on and so forth. And I'm like, well, when you've lost your job, right. that's the most unstable you can possibly yeah. be because you're relying on someone else for salary. You suddenly don't have it and you don't know what to do. Whereas with me, freelance, if I have a month, I'm not earning as much. I'm like, well, I can just go get more work. And I'm, I'm, you know, obviously it's harder than that. But the point I'm making is- You're in control. For me, it, it wasn't- You're not dependent. I was in control. But exactly. And it kind of, it was. I accidentally learned that this mm. was for me. You know, I didn't, I wouldn't have known beforehand. I just thought I had to f- find the right corporate job or the right boss, the right this, right. that and the other. But I think a lot of it is the having to conform to whatever a, a boss thinks or work in a team. And frankly, I'm just not very good at that. I'm, I'm not great at working in teams. I'm much better working on my own or working into one person like an editor. Um, because, you know, I, I annoy people <laughs> and I'm just, I don't know, I'm not patient. So... <laughs> You saying that is so reassuring because, uh, first of all, my experience of work has been the exact reverse to you, where I have always been freelance purely because I love working on my own. I love, I I feel so much more creative that way. I can be expressive. Um, I am in charge of my own destiny, it feels like. Yes, exactly. My success is based on how much hard work I put Mm -hmm. in. Yeah, you don't need anyone else to to give you a pay rise or give get move your job or you know yeah, do a speech and- about you in front of other people. Like if you earn a lot that month, that's because you've done a bloody good job, and that's that. Full stop. You know. And and also, um, it doesn't sound like you suffer from this, but when you really care about what other people think, it's so much easier to work on your own. Oh, I care about I care about what other people think. Oh no, I definitely suffer from that to some degree. Um, I don't really care what people think of, no, that's not true. I actually really care what people think. I care about, I care about being seen as, um, seen accurately. Yes. And I'm, 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 I care about being seen as worthy of having an opinion. Um, and I, and I, a lot of the time that is part of the reason I think why I was driven to, you know, I was driven to investment banking because of the prestige factor. And then, you know, the industry I went to work in after was advertising. I was driven to that because people who work in advertising are seen as creative and, you know, interesting and da, 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 da. And when I got made redundant, it was that sort of way. I was like, oh shit, I don't really have something to kind of rely on. I don't really know how to explain myself. People are a bit 
kind of like what do you do for a living like who are you and so I so I care I really do care what people think in that respect and I also I really really want it's not that I want people to agree with me I want people to think that I'm I can argue a point well or I can explain something well I care a lot about what people think of my style of writing because I'm not a trained writer so you know I'm kind of if someone says they like my style of writing or they like the way I write or they think I'm a good writer that is like one of the biggest compliments to me only the second only to I understand what you were trying to say because being understood for me is actually the main thing I just want people to not misunderstand me I get it oh (laughs) I, I literally have been saying that over and over in my current work situation because um I'm seen as um not being this is getting really personal I didn't realize it was going to go in this direction but I'm seen (laughs) as um not being able to take direction Mm. um not a good team player Mm. and um refusing to be given instruction Mm. and you know what like I I I personally believe that I am all those things, but I absolutely can't do any of those things when I don't respect the people that are yeah. dishing that stuff out. So if yeah. I'm working with someone that I really respect and rate and I'm just like, wow, you're amazing. Oh my yeah. God, I can take all the direction in the world. If yeah. someone is lame yeah. and delivering a message in a very condescending, patronizing, yeah. you're really stupid kind of way, I switch off. I simply switch off because I want to learn from great people. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. And I think part of the, this is part of my thing about, you know, my kind of realization that freelance is probably better for me and better for other people too, is because I think if you're, if you, if you make a decision to work in a company, um, you do have to, you know, everything ha- everything has pros and cons, right? And I think if you make a decision to work in a company, which I have done even as a freelancer, I've done it as a contractor, you know, doing three days a week in a company, all that sort of thing. I've had to have a conversation with myself and say, look, you, you're going to not, um, you're not going to get your way all the time. You're going to have to take direction from people that you don't necessarily agree with or, and I kind of, I don't like that I sometimes don't, respect people I think I can be really bad for making a snap judgment about and I I really have to have a lot of conversations myself in that respect where I can very quickly be like ah they don't know what they're talking about and that's wrong of me you know I do need to be much better actually you know is that because you're so bright uh I mean I don't know I think it's I I don't think of myself as I, I know I'm really confident um but I don't you know and I know that I'm good at what I do but at the same time, I don't think I'm all knowledgeable. You know, I spend a lot of time asking people, oh, am I doing the right thing? Should I do this? Should I do that? Mm. But sometimes when I, I think I'm quite a good, I, I'm quite good at getting a quite a, a quick measure of people. And yeah. I think having worked in advertising, there's quite a lot of people that work in advertising that oh, I, I talk, of shit. talk. Yeah, yeah, for lack of a better word, yeah. And so when you're getting instructions of someone who, in my mind, is very clearly that person I just I really really struggle to take them seriously and because I mean you'll be the same because I've been freelance or I am freelance and I'm working in a sort of uh, as a contractor as like I have no skin in the game I have no bureaucracy here I don't have to please you you know because I can just not work for this client anymore and um, I don't have to try and get a promotion exactly and so I'm very like I don't think this is a good idea. And there's been times that I've worked with people who've been like, you know, they don't, they haven't actually, I've never been told that I'm hard to work with or anything like that. 
But um, I have been told that I'm stubborn or that, you know, I'm not understanding the project. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm not understanding the project. Maybe I'm not understanding the client wants something that's actually not that great. They just want something that, I don't know, is done or satisfies another goal or satisfies their marketing manager who's never actually made anything in their life. They've just happened to end up in a marketing job (laughs) and are dictating what we should do without any experience. And we have to listen because they're the ones paying. Um, yeah, you know, but I think that there's times that you do have to sort of take a step back and be like, I chose to be here, you know? Yeah, I mean, it comes back to truth, I feel, because for me, um, mm-hmm. you know, truth is about, you know, like the world's greatest leaders. I mean, they are undeniably worthy of that title because they're just great leaders um, they may not do everything perfectly, but they just have an aura about them that make them great leaders. Those kinds of people I'm able to follow. But when there's yeah. a lack of truth, where it's bullshit, people have got to where they are through manipulation and mm-hmm. dishonesty mm-hmm. and you know shrewdness, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to work with that. Like, but I think I'm actually quite extreme in my view because I, truth for me is so fundamentally beautiful. It's like mathematics. Yes. It's like engineering. Yes. Like you can't argue with gravity. It just is. I think there's something though to be said about, and this is why I think I'm really obsessed with systems. Um, because I think that what I've, what I've learned from working in various different kinds of companies and, and then being a freelancer and kind of looking at things from the outside and all that sort of thing. Um, I realize that a lot of the time, the way that you get stuff done, the way you progress, whatever, it's all a game, right? And the way that you succeed at these games isn't always by truth. And that annoys the hell out of me. But there's something to be said about if you can learn how a system works, if you understand incentives, if you understand why people are making decisions you know, is it because they want to go home early or is it because they get a pay rise or is it because the person they respect has told them to do it and whether or not that's right or wrong, of course, they're going to follow them. You know, if you can, and for me, it's like, I get really obsessed with being like, okay, how does this system work that that drives particular behavior? And then if I can understand the system, then I can fit in in a way that's going to feel right to me. And particularly if I can understand where that lack of truth, as you call it, is, I can then either compound it or I can know why something's happening and be able to sort of rationalize. So like an example, for instance, like I'm really obsessed with looking at the incentive structures within academia, right? So like publishing and looking at, you know, Mm. why do people, um, you know, publish fraudulent results or why do certain PIs only work with certain people or why do certain journals only take certain things why do only certain people get funding and these questions to some people can feel very like this makes no sense I don't get it the system doesn't work blah 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 but when you actually dive into how science works it makes complete sense it's not fair it's not right but it makes sense in terms of a system that turns and a system that churns the system is not designed right in my opinion but the system works perfectly fine based on the design that it has and so for me I think that's why I get really obsessed with trying to work out systems because when I've been in a system whether it's a corporate or the government like or whatever it's like and I don't get it it's so frustrating because you're just sitting there going I don't get why someone's doing this why did they get promoted why did that thing happen da 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 and it doesn't fit in with my feelings of both fairness and truth. And so yeah. I don't know, like, I think that 
the way to succeed. But how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the fact that something doesn't fit within the realm of fairness or truth? Well, I either call it out or I don't associate myself with it. You know, like I, I left advertising because I felt it was fundamentally unfair. And I also think, I mean, I think the industry has many, many, many problems in terms of its output. But I also just think the way that the the structure of agencies, the way prestige is given to certain people, the way creatives versus the account people are treated as these kind of gods and the way that clients are, you know, the client says, jump, you say hi, all that stuff. I completely understand now why that is what it is, because I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to work it out and I hate it. I think that it's stupid and I think that it's it's misattribution of certain forms of credibility and creativity. Um, but it's the way it is and I'm not going to change it. And so if I, you know, so I've got to be like, okay, h- how do I want to utilize my knowledge about this industry? Well, I, if I'm needing a bit extra money, I'm going to do a bit of copywriting. And luckily I know who commissions copywriters and what kind of agencies are a bit better than others or whatever else. And I will deliberately put myself in a situation where I know I can write something good that they'll like, they'll pay me and everyone wins without me having to deal with all the stuff that I really don't like. Um, So, you know, I think it's about either that working out the system and then deciding where you fit and how you fit, or it's being an outsider and being okay with being an outsider, which I am almost everywhere I go because of you know and I I quite like being an outsider I quite like being that that person that's frankly allowed to say these sorts of things you know I don't you know we're doing this we're doing this anonymously right but anything I'm saying I would happily say with my own voice genuinely and I'm lucky I'm very lucky that I can do that and I know that so many people cannot women people of color people from with you know non-able bodied people all different stuff like I I have a lot more power and I'm very, very aware of that. But then I think that the only way for me to make sense of that is to tell the truth and be reasonable and call out stuff. And again, it's not about trying to be mean to anyone. It's just about being realistic and not like, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid or, or anything. And luckily, because my work, val- that's part of the USP of my work. Because I'm a media person, because I'm, you know, brought in to give opinions and stuff, they want someone who's going to, quote unquote, give real talk. That's literally what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that I'm insanely lucky to get to do that. Yeah, I mean, when I think of women in STEM who are actually conforming just to be part of a system mm-hmm. because the fear of, of being freelance or an individual is just too scary it's too you know generally people think a freelance lifestyle is unstable um insecure and you've got to be really hard to um Mm. survive in that kind of world Mm. I personally think it just screams out freedom and I don't value money Mm. enough to um to shy away from the freelance world yet I have chosen a more corporate structure just to see what it's like um and what I'm finding is that and there's nothing wrong with that yeah I mean it's an experiment and what I'm finding is that um you know you do have to compromise on your kind of yeah not necessarily values but you have to compromise on being there for oneself 
I think as well, there's a lot to be said about what the type of job you're doing. I mean, being a freelance researcher is almost not a thing. You know, so if you want to be, you know, someone who's actually in the lab doing Mm. experiments and stuff, you don't really have the choice about being freelance. You choose who your PI is, you choose which group you want to be in, but that's kind of the limit of your choice. And even then, that's still, you don't really have full control of that. Um, As a journalist, I mean, freelance journalism is very normal. Um, if anything, there's probably, you know, freelancing is far more popular now because so many places can't afford staff mm. writers. So, you know, it's actually very comfortable, not comfortable, but like there's a lot of other freelance journalists who I can meet up with, who I get advice from, da 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 da. And the same as you, I don't value money in the same way. Although actually I get paid a lot more now than I used to mm. in my previous job, but you know, that's, that's a separate thing. But I don't value money enough to jump into a job that pays a lot. And I don't, I've sort of, in my, I'm kind of like, I've done the corporate thing. I get it. I've, I've, I've had the learnings from it. And that's not to say I'll never jump back in. If there's a good opportunity, I would take it. But um, I definitely now know a bit more about my own value system that I would have to find a job that fulfills that. But um, I, I don't know, like, I think it's very, very dependent on what you do. And I think particularly if you're a researcher or an engineer or someone who's, who's building stuff, you almost have to work in a lab or for a company. You don't really have the choice. Mm, and you have to adopt their values you have to and and I think part of the the compromise of being a freelancer is actually in some sense um you compromise on immediate impact because you you have to create your own form of impact if you're from the outside you have to write things in such ways that you think that it's really gonna someone's gonna see it and it's gonna change stuff or you have to consult with a particular client that you think oh they're really gonna listen or whatever whereas if you're in a company you have far more opportunity to Mm -hmm. actually you know change stuff or make things happen or build stuff or whatever I mean I I can't I can you know again because I'm in media it's very different you can make stuff so easily whether you're freelance or whether you're staff but you know if I was in the lab I, I, I couldn't do my science it would be so hard to do science as a freelancer there's not the funding there's not the support mm. there's not you know so I don't think it's necessarily about you know if you're valued if, if you you know you've got a lot of values and if you're the sort of person that wants to speak your mind and da, 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 you only should be freelance because that's the only way you get to do it um I just think that I'm fortunate that the job that I've ended up choosing to do um allows me to do that I don't and, and I know that you know I I was I spoke out when I was at a corporate, but there's plenty of things that I didn't say um, because I knew that it was not appropriate or that it wouldn't have mm. I would have got you know shunned or I wouldn't have got put in a project or whatever. So it's you know I, I think it's it's so dependent on optimizing what it is that you really want to do. I want to speak my mind, <laughs> but if I really wanted to I don't know do a piece of research or build something or whatever. Um, this might actually not be the best route in terms of optimizing for that. So it's really about understanding what it is that you're trying to do with your life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I feel like um, everyone has, you know, their own perspective on the end goal. Absolutely, as they should. Um, So, you know, when I complain to my mum, say, about, um, you know, having to make compromises because you're in a corporate system Mm -hmm. and you know I feel like I'm not able to fully express myself because it doesn't tie in with the corporate objectives and blah 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 my mum will say well you know why don't you just keep your head down because at the end of the day you're getting a salary every month and that's her Mm -hmm. perspective because for her uh 
a more important goal is to get a salary every month and have that kind of stability. Whereas my perspective is that I want to be fully free to express who I am. And if it is unpopular and if no one gets it, I still want to be able to just be myself. I get that. I get that a lot. That is of more value to me than getting a paycheck every month. And 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 that's precisely my point. It's about you have to understand what it is that you personally as an individual want to optimize for. And there's literally no shame, no shame in whatever it is, unless it's, I don't know, crime. <laughs> but like there's no shame yeah. in whatever it is that you choose to optimize. If your choice of optimization is I want stability because of I have a family or because I just want to have my evenings or what or whatever it is if I just want that stability that's fine if it's I'm not really that bothered but speaking I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing yeah my boss is a bit of a twat sometimes but I can handle it and I like my work then yeah optimize for that absolutely I guess on that note Mm. like if we are optimizing for the choices we've made we also have to accept the downsides of the choice absolutely 100% because I think that's what I struggle with it's like you know I have let's just say I have chosen a corporate situation mm. right now but I have mm. to also accept that what comes with that is compromises in certain areas I 100%. can't be a freelance 100%. mindset and then be in a corporate situation no it's completely true and you know there's there are downsides to being freelance there are you know there's times that I you know I, I at the moment where I'm I'm in my career you know particularly because I've been working on this book and I've been doing a few other things that have kind of up to my credibility shall we say um in the eyes of people that don't really understand what I do for a living um but before that I kind of had to compromise on people just not getting what I did and I Mm. had to constantly justify myself and justify why I was in a certain room or whatever Mm. and the person who'd asked me to come be in that room or do the thing they get it but the other people there are kind of looking at me like who are you why are you here um And so I constantly had to justify myself, which was really, really, really frustrating, particularly for someone who's so intent on not being misunderstood. So that was a big compromise for me. Whereas before, when I had a job title with a big company that everyone knows, um, nobody questioned it. And so I'm the same person. I have way more knowledge now than I did then. And yet I was seen as more credible then. So that was a compromise for me. Stability, yes, that's a compromise. Mental health is a compromise. You're f- I far more stressed as a freelancer. I also thrive on the stress, but <laughs> but it is it's yeah, way it's more, more stressful. Um, and, and all different things, you know, not having sick pay, not having holiday pay, not um, having colleagues, not having, you know, it's Christmas soon, not having a Christmas party to go to. You know, mm. And... But for me, these things don't matter as much as the other stuff. And so I've really, really, really thought deeply about what it is that I really want for my career. And because there's been opportunity to go back into corporate, I, you know, I could go apply for a corporate job tomorrow. I'm not saying I get it, but I can apply for them. Um, but I'm choosing not to because of what it is that I really, really want for my career, how I want to live my life. And you know, it just means I have to work extra hard to make sure I make time for the gym so I don't go mad. But, you know, it's, it's, it, I think it's, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm in a fortunate position that I've spent a lot of time really, really, really reflecting on my career. And a lot of that is because when I got made freelance, it made redundant. I, it put me into a real sort of like, you know, quarter life crisis. And I didn't understand what my identity was. I didn't know what I was meant to be doing. Mm. And da, 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 da. How long ago was that? That was three and a half years ago 
So 20, 2016, July 2016. So, you know, there has been a process. I mean, one of the things that, you know, in terms of like women in very male dominated environments, um, we're talking a lot about sort of making our own choices and accepting all the Mm. um, circumstances that come with the decisions we've made. I get that. But Mm. I feel from my experience as a woman, I feel like I've had to make compromises because I'm female that a man Mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily need to make because he absolutely won't stand uh, bullshit from people being told what to do because, you know, he's firmly in his manliness. Yes. I think women have to grapple yes, with like, yeah, you know, when definitely. I'm told that I'm crazy because I'm standing up for myself, I don't think men get that. I think when men stand up for themselves, they're just seen as being strong and, no. you know, having balls. Yeah. Or just normal. <laughs> just saying what they think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is, is there a difference or am I just trying to jump on the, oh, I'm a woman? No, I know there's, oh, there's absolutely a difference. I mean, God, there's so much data out there there's so many stories there's so many first person accounts that men notice it nowadays as well because they're looking for you know there's absolutely you're you're not exaggerating you're not incorrect like it's absolutely true I would say that I think it's um every woman has a different experience every person on the planet has a different experience but I think I don't think it's fair to sort of say all women deal with X or all women deal with Y because all women are different. Some are more confident than others. Some t- are we have way yeah. more emotional intelligence and Literally. can deal with situations in better ways. I am not that person. And so I, I think that for me personally, I've spent a lot of time throughout my entire life but you know, because as I say, I played football from a really young age, and at my primary school, I was the only girl that played. I mean, there's one other girl that played at one point, but she was in a different year than me, and then one that came in at the end. But I spent every single lunch break and playtime, you know, the morning break, playing football with the boys, and. I, you know, went and studied maths, which was male dominated. I then went into investment banking, male dominated, and it's not so. In some ways, I feel a little bit more comfortable in male, male environments just because I suppose I'm a bit more used to them. And also because I'm not very good with the whole gossip relationship stuff mm. that I know is very dominant and n- not in a bad way, but it's just a different way of doing things in a more female-led environment, which is probably part of the reason I found advertising so difficult because it's really, really female-dominated. Um, not, not in leadership positions, but in just general positions. Um, I don't know. I think everyone has a different experience. I think for me personally, there's definitely been points where I have been... Uh, people have underestimated me uh, or have assumed that I'm going to think a certain thing or do things a certain way. Um, And there's been times that it's been very blatant. Like for instance, I was in, when I was in this sort of um, the second job, the one that got made redundant from, that was a techie job. And um, I remember, you know, a, a guy emailing me saying, oh, I'm coming to set this thing up. Can you make sure the tech guy's there? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, that, that's me. I'll be there. And he was like, no, no, we need, we need someone who understands how to set up the technology. And I was like, yeah, that's me. Um, and he was like, oh, but can I just confirm that you know X, Y, and Z? And I, I remember just even back being like, I understand all this. Look, if you don't want to come set this up, um, it's up to you, but you're you're being quite sexist right now and I don't appreciate it. And he was all full of apology. Um, and I think when it's been really explicit, 
I'm lucky in a sense. I have the self-confidence that I will, I will call it out. And it's not just self-confidence. It's also just, I don't know, maybe it's just ballsiness or maybe it's, I was in a position of power because I was at the corporate and he was the supplier and he was trying to get a favor off of us. So I was in a position of power in that respect. So it was much easier for me to be like, eh, no. Um, but there's probably been many times that I've been put in a certain box because of my gender and I've probably either not noticed it or not immediately felt the effects or because I am generally been successful most of my career um it's it sort of maybe affected me but I've been able to sort of focus on other things or kind of be like well I'm managing to do this I mean one time the, the, the probably the point that frustrated me the most which made me change job actually because it was an impetus was when I was in the very first job that I got in advertising when I was a client person like dealing with clients um I was hitting all my goals I you know was far exceeding my job uh, job description I absolutely without a doubt and I can I still even upon reflection I was without a doubt due a pay rise and due a promotion and I asked for it many many times I remember at one point my boss saying because he, he would just set my boss would just set new goals and then I would hit them within like a month or two and then he'd have to set new goals and I'd be like why don't you just bloody promote me don't stop resetting my goals but at one point he said to me see to be honest what we need is you just need to be more like Henry and so there's this guy called Henry in my team. Henry was lovely, but Henry was the suave, charming, I'm going to go charm the clients and make them feel special because all the clients are female, of course. And Henry was a crap account person. He was always late with his work. Yep. Yep. So and he, he was doing, doing all the charming. Donkey work. And, and for me, it was like, that was the point that I was like, this job is not for me because I am not a charmer. I am a doer. And if that's what it takes to succeed in this yeah. job, to be frankly a, a charming male, which is not what I am, or a subservient woman, um, neither of those things are me. So I yeah. left. I moved. You know, luckily I was going to leave the whole company, but luckily another department scooped me up, and I loved that job um, that I got taken into. But so I think there's been time, and was that to my gender? Um, you know, if I t- every time I tell the story, they're like, "Of course it was." I didn't really think of it part of my gender. I just thought it was a stupid thing to say. But I moved job, and so I think that I'm in a really fortunate position in a sense. I'm I'm self confident, but I'm also not wedded to anything. So if I don't, other than my own, other than my own work, mm. and so if if something happens, I'm like, "Well, sod this. I'll just go do something else." And I know that I'm privileged in that respect. I know that yeah. not everyone can do that. People have to deal with stuff where they love their job and they want to be respected and da, da, da. My way, when I get, when I'm not respected, I leave. I'm just like, I'm not going to try and convince this person. Yeah. I've already tried and I don't really care about, but it also means that I have this real feeling of I'll show them like I constantly and anytime mm. like, you know, anytime yeah. I kind of get snubbed for something or whatever, I'm always hoping that, I don't know, that person who I'm connecting with on LinkedIn sees that I've just done this thing and it's so petty and, you know, maybe a bit childish, but I'm very, very driven by the sort of I'll show them mentality. Is that to do with my gender? Maybe. Is it just to do with the sort of person I am? Mm. Probably more likely. Um, But I think my personal experience with gender um, is probably more sort of noticing it with other women and speaking out when I do see it and speaking out with other women too um so I don't know yeah I mean that is really that is really the 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 reason why I started this podcast because I really stand up for myself I find that as a woman um 
I am often, you know, expected to look pretty and keep Mm. my mouth shut when actually I have really strong values. I have really strong opinions and I really want to make a difference through my Mm. work. And I don't want to follow people, you know, that I don't admire. Mm. And, you know, there's a bunch of things. And basically, as a result of all of that, I'm seen to be a problem. I'm seen to be difficult. I'm seen. And, and, you know, there are times when I can, I can take it Mm. and I'm confident and strong enough to just go, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. But there are times when I I start to doubt myself and I'm like, am I crazy? Of course. Are they right? Of course. Um, am I am I making life a lot harder for myself because I so desperately want to stick to what I believe is truth mm. and fair and all of that and 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 it makes me wobble it really makes me wobble and I you know I I think you know if I had more of a sort of male attitude for want of a better label mm. um, I would be a lot further but I do get stuck on people branding me as difficult because I'm just like why can't you just be open to my opinion and you know I I don't think I'm alone I feel that a lot of strong women go through this absolutely and I don't know you know how 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 do we cope with this like do you have any sort of suggestions yeah I think I think there's two ways of looking at things um I think that there's the shall we say the activist approach which is let's change things let's i've seen this happen i'm going to campaign against it i'm gonna make stuff at this company this organization in society whatever shift because i've seen this happen and i don't agree with it um and then there's another approach which is you see it you acknowledge it you are like this is not right and then you get the hell out of there and go find someone else and that's not about running away it's about going I ain't got the time to be the activist I want to get on my career or I want to do other stuff I don't want to be that person and and then there's obviously the third one which is you suffer through it and you're not none of those is the better thing women this whole idea of being a strong woman when I was younger, I was very like, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that I'm a strong woman. But then someone challenged me once. And they were like, why should you have to be? Why can't you just be a woman, you know, or be a person? And I think that's kind of the first, that's the sort of active, activist attitude of like, we should fight against it. In mm. my mind, um, I'm all for activism. I think it's amazing. I don't think of myself as an activist because I'm like, I don't, I don't want or at least I'm not a direct activist. Maybe I'm an indirect activist by having conversations like this and chatting to my friends about stuff and empowering people but I'm certainly and I'll call things out but I don't necessarily escalate things or try and do a big campaign or whatever Mm. um and the reason is is because I want to get on with my life I want to get on making stuff I want to do my journalism I want to do whatever it is I'm doing I want to write my book I want to whatever and you know so like for an exact for as an example I got um sexually assaulted a couple of years ago and it was before me too so there wasn't really a sort of um I'm not saying it's easier after me too but there wasn't really I didn't really know what to do Mm. shall we say yeah um because there wasn't that sort of media coverage and a month after it happened I had a really really horrific month where you know and all the the usual stuff you hear about women after they're sexually assaulted they 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 go into the spiral of self-doubt and hate and and did I encourage it was it my fault Yeah. yeah 
all that stuff exactly all that stuff total standard I was not myself that month it was a dark dark month it was weird as anything when I think back on it it just was I was not me and a month after it happened I wrote an I wrote a medium blog about it and I put it up on my medium and it you know as you can imagine pre me too when there's not really anyone writing about this stuff it got a really big response and people I got a lot of amazing comments a lot of women reaching out going oh yeah this happened to me as well and blah 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 all that stuff and after that I got a lot of people messaging me being like hey could you come speak at our conference about women in tech about treatment of because it happened at a tech conference um could you come and you know be the voice and da 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 and I decided um I did one um at South by Southwest but I I didn't as I said said no to every single other opportunity and the reason I did that is because I don't want to be the woman Mm. who talks about sexual assault I don't want to be you know my name the person who does sexual assault stuff I'm not an expert in that I don't you know people who work in sexual assault charities or activism campaigns or whatever are the ones that should be talking about it not me I want to be the person who writes about science and tech and the world and all the thoughts I have in my head that I think are far more valuable and insightful than what I think about sexual assault other than my own first person narrative and so I made that choice that I didn't want to be that person and I went through a whole stuff like am I being selfish by not talking more about this um am I should do I have a responsibility to stand up and be that woman you know all that stuff and you know when I think back and it, it's like no I just chose to carry on with the, the the sort of journey that I wanted to be on which was to do with my career and I am amazed and thankful and in awe of the women that choose the path of activism, of choose the path of something happened to them, campaign against it, try and make change, da 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 da. Mm. But I don't have the patience for it. I have my ambition sits elsewhere. And I think that when you're talking about advice around when something like this happens, I think it's about choosing which camp you're in or choosing in that moment which one you want to be in and then taking deliberate action to make that happen so if you're in the activism one it's okay what can I do to change this how can I talk about this how can I stand up how can I get help whatever the second one which is the the one I do which is this has happened I don't like it I've called it out I've told them it's wrong but I'm now going to move on my life and that's either get the hell out of that situation or go and work for someone else no job is the best job in the world there are plenty of other jobs in my opinion and there's plenty of other projects that you can do that's not about running away it's about choosing and optimizing for what you want if it really is that job then you're going to have to take the activism approach to try and change it right but for me there's never been the thing that I've been working on that has happened to it's never been the thing mm. like if someone came and been really horrific about my book maybe I would take the activism approach because that's the thing that's most dear to me who knows um and then if it's the third one where it's you know you want that stability you want the easy life quote unquote the easy life you don't want to have to do either of those things you want to stay in your job you want you know then it's about making a decision about how you sit with the information is it that you complain or is it that you decide to swallow it you know everyone is entitled to their own way of dealing with stuff and Mm. I think it's it's not about saying this is the way that you should deal with certain things that happen whether it's a comment or an assault or whatever it's about respecting the decision of the female of the person to do what is best for them where I kind of I guess about being true to yourself absolutely and I think where 
some of the not the problems but where people I, I think end up getting frustrated it's when they know what they would want to do but they don't feel able to do it and it's about how can we support those people whether it's helping them find another role or helping them get a different manager or empowering the work that they're doing and and sodding the person that's that's wronging them or whatever or helping them be an activist or helping them deal with their trauma or whatever it is so I think that it, it's just about being really sure or as sure as you can be because you're never 100% sure in your own head about which of those routes it is and for me it's almost always the middle one and I don't perceive it as running away some people might you know I don't perceive it as running away I perceive it as I've done my piece I've said my bit I've I'm at peace with what you know because I don't say nothing um I have to say something but then I don't then try and do all the work to continue being in that space um, because I don't want to be there anymore. I want to go and do other stuff. And luckily for me, I can go find somewhere else to be that I'm even happier. And because I don't settle for less, if I move to somewhere else, it's always better or I will make it better or I'll be able to frame it in a way that's better um, so that I don't have these kind of regrets or whatever. And if I have the regret, I'll go back and try and change it. So it's I think it's again just about trying to work out precisely what not just what your values are but like what it is you want from life you only live once yeah. and so it's you know it's kind of you have to work out what it is you're trying to do and you know there's so many times writing this book where I've, I've you know when I've been reporting stuff or you know, meeting people and I'm seeing things not not just women stuff but like you know things that are not right in particular industries and I'm like god I should write an investigative piece about this I should write an article da, 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 da. and I'll talk to my boyfriend about it and he'll be like that's great if you want to do that, but are you happy to spend the next two months, six months, a year focusing on this thing and it being in your head? And almost always the answer is no, because I'm like, no, I want to be doing the thing that I was doing. And so um, I think it's about being realistic about your um, your life. And sometimes you don't have the choice. I mean, being sexually assaulted, I did not choose to have that month of, you know, it was horrific for me. And that was actually one of the things that I got so frustrated about over and over again. I was like, I did not choose this. This yeah. has been imposed upon me. And I can't believe I'm having to deal with this. I've got all this other stuff I want to be doing. I've got my ambition. I've got my projects. I've got my work. I've got everything. And I'm I, I'm being halted by this one man's um, idiocy and horrificness and entitlement. And that was one of the things that got me so angry. But I had to make a decision at one point to be like, I don't want to be affected by this anymore. I want to get on with my life. Mm. And that that was a, a long that took a long time for me to do. That wasn't easy by any means whatsoever. I'm fortunate that I was able to start moving on after about two months. Um, some people it takes a lot longer, and that's totally okay. But again, it's about that. It's about taking control and being trying to have as much reclaiming as much of the power as you possibly can in any way possible um that's how I go over it wow uh <laughs> I mean I, unfortunately we're out of time but I feel like fine. I just <laughs> I wish that we could talk for many more hours because I feel like there's so much to learn from you in the sense that you really are in your own corner and I think many women yeah. in STEM um, either are reaching out for others to be in their corner to feel valid or they're struggling with knowing how to be in their own corner and you really represent mm. someone that is your own cheerleader 
And I absolutely yeah. am utterly inspired and in awe of oh. your ability to do that. And I, I just, I've learned so much from listening to you today. Oh, Shani, I really appreciate that. I mean, I don't know. When you're freelance, you have a lot of time on yeah. your own. And so you think a lot. <laughs> and I think um, if I was to give any advice to anyone about anything, whether it's jobs, careers, women stuff, whatever, um, it would be if you can't journal, because I don't journal, I, I, get, I don't have the time for it and I don't have the patience for it. Um, but I, I, I go like 20 minute walks and I do voice mm, memos. Yeah. Um, I just talk to myself. If you put your headphones in, you look like you're on the phone. So <laughs> nobody thinks you're weird that you're talking to yourself. But I record it so that I feel like I'm doing something. I don't ever listen back. Um, but anyway, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Because see, to be honest, like I, I think that if you're if you spend the time really trying to understand what's going on in your own head, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get it perfect. It's not easy to understand what's going on in your head. But if you just just spend the time, invest the time talking to yourself or writing it down or whatever your method is it's the best way to try and get that clarity and that kind of you're able to reflect back on your actions you know I have I notice when I'm being an absolute asshole when I'm doing those voice emails I'm like oh my god I said that thing I thought that was right mm. I've just realized it wasn't I'm gonna need to go apologize or whatever and it's only because I've had I make the time to reflect if I didn't do that I would just be keeping doing the next thing and charging through life and not thinking so if there's one piece of advice I would I would say it's that an absolute brilliant note to end on thank you so much for coming on the thank show you, and I just wanted to because you referenced a couple of books that you're either writing or have written if anyone is interested in hearing more from you and getting in touch um, would it be okay if they emailed me through my website um, which I could forward on to you of course I mean yeah as I said earlier I really I really haven't said anything that I wouldn't say. I mean I I love that they that you're doing this anonymously I think it's um I think it makes so much sense and it gives people so much power um but you know there's definitely nothing I've said that um that I would be I would be worried about so anyone can yeah absolutely oh brilliant so listeners thank you so much for um tuning in this week um I have been massively touched by hearing from my guest today I'm sure um you listeners out there have also gain so much from hearing such wise words and if you do want to get in touch please do contact me through my website um, key in my name it will come up on google and um, you can get in touch but don't forget to rate and review the show thank you so much for listening and catch you next week on silence